100% Real with Lisa Cabrera. At the tone, the time will be exactly... Time for the Mo Kelly Show. Set it off, Mr. Mo Kelly. Mo Kelly. Show. Turn it up, Mo Kelly. Here we go again. Mo Kelly. Show. Next on the Mo Kelly Show, he's back. The recently commuted, the undeniably quotable, the often notorious and equally glorious Roger Stone is unleashed out of federal custody and back on the Mo Kelly Show. And nobody knows what in the hell just might happen. It's Roger Stone, Mr. Mo Kelly, round two. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Mo Kelly. KFIAM 640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. This is the Mo Kelly Show. Roger Stone gets one more bite at the apple, you could say. His sentence of 40 months for his conviction on seven felony counts was commuted recently by President Trump. And upon his release, the irrepressible Stone made it clear that he was appreciative of the president's gesture and would work tirelessly to assist in his reelection bid. This against the backdrop of the firing of Brad Parscale as campaign manager this week. One would have to wonder whether Stone will take on a central role as we head towards the RNC convention next month. Joining me on the program once again, but this time fresh out of federal custody, is the Roger Stone. Roger, you ready for round two on the Mo Kelly Show? You ready, man? I was born ready. Let's do it. All right, let's get into this. You've maintained your innocence despite your conviction by 12 jurors in unanimous agreement. They believe the federal government met its burden of proof. If not for the president, you would be on your way to prison in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic. Why should we believe you and not the unanimous verdict? Well, because my jury uh, was ethically corrupted by a, uh, by a corrupt juror because it was not a jury of my peers, it was a juror of my political opponents, because of epic misconduct by both the judge and prosecutors in my case. I can go through each section of that, but no reasonable person who looks at the way the judge denied me every powerful ground of defense, uh, the way the the judge ruled that virulent opposition to Donald Trump, activism in the Democratic Party, previous service in the uh, as a political appointee, not a civil servant, in the administrations of Clinton nor Obama, or political activity uh, against the president uh, by the individuals on the jury would constitute the basis for being knocked out as a juror. So my, juror had, my jury had no Republicans, no independents, no African-American males, uh, no Roman Catholics. It had no uh, uh, no blue-collar workers, no union members, nobody with less than a college education, but a majority with post-college education, uh, three jurors with direct ties to the Department of Justice or the FBI, uh, seven jurors who had served either in the Clinton or Obama administration as political appointees or worked at a liberal think tank, 
uh, I just didn't see this as a uh, as a uh, a fair jury. And then, of course, we know that the juror for woman uh, in 2019 uh, posted beginning on the day of my arrest and subsequently attacked on me personally on Facebook and Twitter, had those posts on a private setting during jury selection and during my trial, uh, deleted them after the trial. Uh, we took the position that that constituted proof of bias. Uh, Judge Jackson disagreed and would not void my conviction and give me a new trial. Uh, now, normally speaking, I, I have filed an appeal, actually two appeals. Oh, you have? One on the basis... Yes, I filed notice of appeal uh, on two bases. One, on constitutional issues and other rulings by the judge during the trial. Uh, and then secondarily, based on the judge's ruling not to grant a new trial. Uh, you don't, you know, first you file a notice of appeal. Then there's a deadline in August to file the substance of your appeal. Although in your initial filing, you have to at least outline the substance of your appeal. Those are all public documents. They can be found online. Uh, but uh, as you may or may not know, um, this became a more urgent matter because uh, contrary to the legal rulings in every circuit in the United States, including D.C., uh, individuals in my exact situation, either inmates currently in prison or those about to be assigned to prison who ask for compassionate release or in some cases compassionate transfer to home confinement because of the dangers of infection of COVID-19 uh, 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 virus infection. Uh, and despite the current policy of Department of Justice and the U.S. Bureau of Prisons to transfer those convicted of nonviolent crimes from incarceration to home confinement to protect them from uh, infection by coronavirus. And despite my age, 67, and my current uh, health, all of which was submitted to the court um, under seal, uh, and despite the fact that the judge insists that there are no COVID-19 uh, uh, cases in the prison to which she wanted to send me, but in fact, the Bureau of Prisons website now shows 113 cases up from zero a month ago, right. uh, my life was in imminent danger. The president, I think, did this as an act of compassion. He did it as an act of mercy. I would never have lived to see my appeal heard. But you're his you know, friend, Mo, Roger. Come on now. We, we, we're longtime friends now since 2019. We know that this is a function of your case and your proximity to him. A reasonable person knows that, Roger. Uh, that's immaterial. Bill Clinton pardoned his own brother. So what? That doesn't so, make so it. What? No, it's legal, but it's still swampy. It's hella swampy. Can you acknowledge that? No, 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 I actually don't think it is because uh, it, it's certainly within his constitutional power. Yes. And there's no there. And this new claim, which Stone maintained his silence in return for commutation that I knew of some misconduct or inappropriate action by the president. Believe me, they went. They gave me the full legal proctological examination. Where's the evidence of that? There is no evidence of that. None whatsoever. Okay, Had you, they found evidence of it, they would have charged me with it. Wait, 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 you I'm said evidence. With. You said evidence, and I read through the indictment. I read through the court transcript. They read your text messages and emails. And part of the reason why you were charged with lying to Congress is in your congressional testimony. You said there was only verbal and non-written communication with their intermediary. But in the court transcripts, they're reading your emails and text messages, Roger. You're not being honest right. now. And what, and, what would, and what would be illegal about that? 
that. In other words, where was I hiding uh, any underlying legal act, uh, illegal activity? In order to violate the false statement law, which is what I was convicted of, your statement must most not only just be false, but it must be material. It must be relevant. It must be uh, consequential. Do you, you want me to read it? Something of consequence. You can read it all you want. No, but I'm sorry. I argue that it is immaterial. <laughs> okay. It's immaterial, and therefore there is no intent. You need both intent and materiality. Had I had a fair trial in a different jurisdiction, I think I could have I could have uh, probably prevailed that argument. But I didn't get a fair trial. You remember so if you text message all you, you like. You remember that you text message. It, it says, "How did you communicate with the intermediator?" You said over the phone. Ir- irrelevant, irrelevant. My communications to the intermediary were perfectly legal, and they were and they were accurate. So what's the point? But they what were not accusing you of illegal communication. They were. They were right, it was, a, it, was a, it was a contrivance. Where's the Russian collusion, Mo? Where's the WikiLeaks collaboration? Where's the proof that I had uh, possession of can, or can knowledge I, of? Can I respond the to that? Source or content? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, okay. According you can't to the, win court, the argument. No, 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 no. But I, I want to make sure all of it's presented. According to the court documents, on or about September 19, 2016, Stone texted person two again, writing, quote, pass my message to head of organization one, which is WikiLeaks. Person two right. responded, I did. On or about September 20th, which, 2016. Which, which of course he which of course he did, which of course he didn't. But even if that were true, that is not illegal in any way. If you lie about it, it is. No, the lie, the, the misstatement must have both uh, intent and it must be material. No. I don't know where you got your law degree, but this was either this was both immaterial and there was no intent. Well, I don't. I didn't have a law what degree, be, but I do have a, con, a conviction go, go on my side. Go back to the verdict. Go back to the, the go back to which the verdict. You're, which you're convicted. Accused, yeah, I was convicted of lying about the Trump campaign's interest in the WikiLeaks disclosures, which is an entirely public matter announced by Donald Trump himself on 142 separate occasions in September and October, according to MSNBC. There's no underlying crime here. Okay, let's stop right there. we got to go to a commercial break. for two years, for, okay. No, no, let's let's go to a commercial break. I know you're getting ready to get going, and we're going to get ready to go on. We're going to set it off here. This is the Mo Kelly Show. My guest is Roger Stone. He's out of federal custody. He's fired up, and he's not done. We have more with Roger Stone in just a moment. This is the Mo Kelly Show, KFI AM640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Now to the KFI Newsroom for an update. This is the Mo Kelly Show. If you're just tuning in, joining me on the line is the Roger Stone. We're right in the middle of a hot and heated debate about whether there was a material lie or whether there was any knowing intent to deceive or mislead the federal government. And we're in locked pitched battle at the moment. Roger Stone, you were saying. I was saying that there is no underlying crime here. But again, we heard from CNN and MSNBC that I would be charged with espionage, treason, conspiracy against the United States, money laundering, mail fraud, wire fraud, uh, aiding and betting a conspiracy, uh, cyber crimes, including unauthorized access to a protected computer, cyber crimes, including receipt and distribution of stolen material. Yet I'm not indicted with any of those, although you will read in the media that that indictment was coming for almost two years. So where, where are the serious crimes here? And while we're at it, uh, they only approved the investigation into me in October of 17 which, by the way, is three months after Robert Mueller already knew there was no Russian collusion. And when asked about this before the Senate Judiciary Committee, Rod Rosenstein said that he did not approve the investigation into Roger Stone, which we know from the document that he did on October 26, 2017. So in other words, Rosenstein, guess what, lied to Congress about a material matter. 
When's he being charged? I don't know. I would love to see it. standards here. That's my argument. No, no, no. I do believe that certain people are treated differently in the federal justice system. I do absolutely believe that. But I also believe that your friendship and relationship and history with Donald Trump weighed more heavily than him just wanting to make sure that justice was done by a person in the justice system that you were treated so unfairly. There are thousands of people treated unfairly daily. How your number just happened to come up in the lottery. I'm guessing it was more than just luck, Roger, right? I'm sorry, what was that? Roger? Roger? I'm sorry, what did you say? I'm sorry, you, you're arguing with whom? I thought we were having just a very spirited conversation. What happened? Would you not like to continue the conversation, sir? I hear that the line is not dead. Uh, you're back. I don't know what that was. Well, you there? Yeah, I was, Hello? I was talking and you said something about Negro, so I wasn't exactly sure. I did not. Oh, okay. You're out of your mind. Well, I don't you're think out of your so. mind. I'm, I, I, well, okay, well... We'll let the listeners decide. What? Let me what? go to the next question then. What? I, Whatever. The next question well, is. I've never... Roger. You're going again. You're uh, going again. I'm right here. I'm not going anywhere. Oh, but you keep you keep going in and out. I don't. Uh, it's a cell phone issue. Um, I don't think so. Um, you're you're not dropping out at all. I'm hearing your voice just fine. Well, I I miss I lose you. There's a lot going on here. Okay, well, let me just pick this up before the phone drops for, or for whatever reason. We know that you are going to be, on some level, assisting our president in his reelection bid. Are you about the business of being formally attached to the, to the campaign, or are you just going to be on the periphery? Uh, I don't expect any formal offer, nor do I expect to join the campaign. Uh, I will, you know, as a private citizen, I will be active on the president's behalf, writing, speaking. Uh, advocating, but I don't expect to be offered a job, nor am I looking for a job, at least not that kind of job. Mm -hmm. I have to go out and make a living. This kind of horrific experience uh, makes you, uh, you know, I've lost everything. I've lost my home. I've lost my savings. I've lost my insurance. I've lost my, uh, my I had lost my ability to make any living for almost two years because I was under a gag order, which I argue was unconstitutional. So, um, you know, I've got to go back to work to provide for my family. At this point, I'm struggling to pay rent, and, uh, groceries, utilities, gasoline, um, you know, medical expenses, uh, prescription drugs. My wife is 73. She's a deaf and she has uh, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. So, yeah, I got to get back to work, but I don't expect to be offered a position on the on the Trump campaign.
All right, let's take a quick break, let everything simmer down, and then we'll come back and talk about this campaign and where the president is going and where you might be able to help out. This is the Mo Kelly Show. On the line is the Roger Stone. We're going to keep moving forward and pressing forward, so keep it right here. KFI AM 640, we're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Now to the newsroom for an update. This is the Mo Kelly Show. If you're just tuning in, the Roger Stone and I are going back and forth about what has been going on in regard to his case and also what lies ahead in the future. You have made it very clear, Roger Stone, that you want to assist this president in his re-election bid. Earlier, I mentioned that he fired his campaign manager, Brad Parscale, and brought in someone else who does not have any experience as far as managing a national campaign. What type of advice in a general sense would you give the president right about now? Well, I'll tell you this. I think one of the greatest issues here is Joe Biden's advocacy of the turbocharging of the war on drugs. Because the word on drugs has been a giant, ignominious, social, economic, and racist failure. That the legislation sponsored by Joe Biden in 1994, the so-called Biden bill, later called the 1994 crime bill, uh, which mandates the harsh mandatory penalties for the first time nonviolent crime of possession of small amounts of drugs for personal use, has fallen disproportionately on people of color. Uh, and it is, uh, by any measure, it is a failure. It has destroyed lives. It has destroyed families. It has rehabilitated no one. It has cost taxpayers hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars at this point. Uh, and it is, uh, it is, uh, time for a recognition that drug abuse is a criminal justice problem. It is not a, it is not, pardon me, is a public health problem. It is not a criminal justice problem. If you're, what, yeah, and you're white, you can get out of your problems. But if you are not, the war on drugs has fallen disproportionately on your shoulders. Now, if you've read either one of my books on Richard Nixon, I identify it as his biggest single mistake. It has failed, but Joe Biden and Bill Clinton have been proponents. Now, mm-hmm. contrast that with President Trump's Second Chance Act, where people who are trapped in the bowels of our penal system uh, with, you know, for 25, 15, 25, 20, 25 years, for the crime of possession of small amounts of drugs where the judge has no discretion. So let's take the single mother with three children, gets caught with a tiny amount of marijuana in her purse uh, and goes to prison for 25 years. That is just wrong. Uh, and that's why I'm glad the president has sponsored this legislation. Well, one of the things that aggravates me is when I'm constantly called a racist. Really? When, 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 when Ronald Reagan failed to extend the Voting Rights Act, I wrote a piece in the Washington Times attacking it. When uh, I'm the last conservative who defends affirmative action, a Nixon administration uh, uh, policy, which gives uh, preferences to people of color who have suffered suffered previous discrimination. Uh, I have been a critic for 30 years of the war on drugs. You can read it on all my websites. I've marched against it, written against it, because it falls disproportionately on people of color. Uh, And I'm a proponent of the Second Chance Act. I also have advocated a posthumous pardon for one of my personal heroes, Marcus Garvey, who was an early civil rights leader leader who was railroaded by the FBI because uh, he gathered quite a following in this country, preaching, you know, self-determination and uh, and uh, uh, self-responsibility. And he was a he was Martin Luther King before Martin Luther King was Martin Luther King. So uh, I resent people who know nothing about my public positions uh 
calling me names. I've never called you a racist, and I don't usually. I, I'm it not. Up. I know you haven't. I'm not. I'm not referring to you. No, but but the question was you. your Happens recommendation. Atmosphere. My question was your recommendation for the president, and I believe that I this just president. Told you. No, but I I'm saying, say, but this, but this president the is war the, on drugs. Okay, but I'm saying, but I'm he sorry. has not been listening to advisors as far as trying to put forth a policy agenda. He has been here and there and everywhere with his grievance politics as opposed to speaking to what he wants to do in a second term. How do you get someone like President Trump to actually focus on the substantive issues as opposed to his personal grievance issues or taking pictures of Goya beans on the Resolute desk? Well, I'm not going to uh, criticize the president of the United States. I think it is abundantly clear the number one issue will be the economy. And in Donald Trump, you have somebody who has absolutely proven that he can revive the economy. He can give us, uh, uh, he gave us already record job creation, record wage growth, record levels of employment among all citizens, African-Americans, Hispanics, women, Asians, and so on. Uh, and therefore, someone who has revived the economy once knows how to revive it again. He had no choice but to protect the public health that destroyed our vibrant economy. But who better to bring it back than someone who knows and has already proven they know how to bring it back, uh, as opposed to someone whose prescription will make the sick patient even sicker. Uh, higher taxes, more regulation, big omnibus, one-size-fits-all trade deals, that will crash our economy. Beyond the economic growth that the president has promised and says that he wants to do it again, you've mentioned criminal justice reform. What do you think you would, might recommend to the president as far as his overall demeanor or how he presents himself to grow his constituency as opposed to seemingly retreat to only his base? The first thing that I would do is take cannabis off the Schedule One list where it does not belong, which he can do with the stroke of a pen, and he should do that. 30, I think it's 38 states now have some form of legal cannabis for medicinal or recreational purposes. Uh, the federal law is antiquated. It doesn't belong on the same schedule with other harsher and more uh, harmful drugs. Millions of Americans depend on can cannabis uh, as medicine. That would be the single greatest act of mercy and I think the strongest public policy position he could take. And he has that authority today, as Barack Obama had. Uh, and he should exercise it. He doesn't need Congress. It's the stroke of a pen. Who do you believe the president listens to on a daily basis? Uh, I haven't spoken to him in two years other than last Friday, so I really couldn't tell you. You haven't spoken to him out even after being released from federal custody just to say, hey, Mr. President, how you doing? Uh, can't wait to start working for you. Can I be a surrogate for you? I would think of you as like a surrogate right about now. No coordination at all? Well, that, conver that, that conversation has never taken place. Mm -hmm. So I had one conversation with him, uh, which is pretty much on the public record, last Friday at about 7 o'clock when he called uh, to tell me that he had made the decision uh, on a compassionate and, and humanitarian basis to save me from dying in a prison in rural Georgia. I have not spoken to him since. How concerned were you that that commutation was not going to come through and you would have to go to that prison and deal with COVID-19 given the state of the world right about now? Um, I, you know, honestly, I, I wasn't worried or scared because I put this decision in the hands of the Lord back in January. Mm -hmm. That's when Reverend, uh, Reverend Daryl Scott and Reverend uh, Mark Burns, two African-American pastors who I met in 2016, both advised me, along with Reverend Franklin Graham, who I've given some credit for this also, 
to uh, to re- be reborn, to reaffirm my belief in Jesus Christ, to to uh, confess my sins and pledge to walk in His way, and I did that. Uh, and therefore, I was confident that in the end, the Lord would protect me uh, and He would uh, not abandon me. Uh, I would never have made it the last six months without that, and therefore, I was highly confident uh, in the in that. I recognize most a lot of people are going to scoff and say that that's a head fake or posturing or. You know, uh, uh, they can say whatever they want. doesn't matter. He knows what's in my heart. Mm-hmm. He knows. And that's all that really matters. Well, Roger Stone, I want to keep you for one more segment, if only because I want you to have the opportunity to say what is next for you and what you want to do from a non-legal or political standpoint. Can you do that for me? Sure. This is the Mo Kelly Show. Roger Stone's my guest. KFI AM640. We're live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Now to Michael Chappé in the KFI Newsroom. This is the Mo Kelly Show. I hope you've been enjoying this passionate exchange of ideas discussing politics and policy with one Roger Stone, who is out of federal custody thanks to the commutation of his sentence of 40 months by President Donald Trump. Now, Roger Stone, you said you haven't been in communication with the president. There's been no formal offer that has been made to you. So what generally are you going to be doing in the coming months having nothing to do with politics? Well, first of all, I'm going to write a book about this entire experience because I think every citizen needs to understand that in the blink of an eye, you can lose your voice, most importantly, because I was unconstitutionally gagged. You can lose your uh, your home, all of your assets, your savings, your insurance, your ability to make a living, uh, all can just disappear overnight. And people need to understand that. Also, because, frankly, the CNNs and the MSNBCs of this world have not fairly covered this entire situation. And during the time that I was gagged, I was subjected to a tsunami of fake news every single day. So there's a lot of misimpressions about my case and about me that need to be corrected. That's why I will write my sixth book. As you know, I've written five other books. I think we've talked about some of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, I got to go out and find a job. I might, I might, uh, who knows? I might host a radio show, a syndicated radio show. I'd probably do a podcast. I have a number of other pieces I want to write. I really want to, um, I really want to now turbocharge my effort to get a pardon for Marcus Garvey, something I feel very deeply about. I found a really obscure biography written on him. I found it very, uh, very inspiring. Uh, something I'd like to get done. So those are kind of my immediate plans. But um, you know, we will we will see what comes. I have to pursue my uh, appeal. That's expensive. Uh, I don't have any money, so I have to go out and raise money through a legal defense fund. Fortunately, 65,000 individual Americans, mostly low-dollar contributors, have helped finance my legal defense so far. What's your website? Uh, it is stonedefensefund.com, stonedefensefund.com. I'm going to ask you a semi-personal question, and I hope you receive it in the spirit that I'm going to ask it. How are you and your wife doing through all of this? And how, if at all, has it changed your relationship with her? Well, my wife, my daughter, and my son have been extraordinarily um, supportive, as have all of my grandchildren. Uh, It has strengthened our relationship because she has been totally supportive of my decision not to bear false witness against the president. The prosecutors definitely held out that that, uh, uh, offer, as as you might call it. Uh, I declined would have eased the political pressure on me. That gets bastardized now in the media to, oh, Stone knew of misconduct by the president and he was silent and returned for clemency. That's completely false. Uh, and um, uh, so she has supported my decision to plead not guilty. 
we recognize that 99% of the people who plead not guilty are ultimately convicted. I don't have the deep pockets or the resources of the federal government. Uh, it's a daunting challenge, but um, we are doing fine. She has some health issues, as I mentioned, issue, uh, which I think are probably uh, you know, accentuated by stress. Uh, but beyond that, we are we're thankful to be here. We're thankful to be alive and we're thankful for God's providence. When all is said and done and we've seen the documentaries, you will have written your books and they say, go get me Roger Stone. There'll be plenty of things which will be said about you. There'll be plenty of stories told concerning you. But if you were to write your own epitaph, what would you want on your headstone? What would you want people to know definitively that comes from your mouth as opposed to someone else who wants to tell them about you? Uh, that I never gave up, or that I stood by my political ideals. There are a lot of people who will, who will work for any client who comes in the door. That's not me. I have worked for candidates and individuals and causes that I believe in, whether it's the legalization of cannabis, whether it's criminal justice reform, whether it is uh, the election of Ronald Reagan, take your pick. Uh, but I've always done my best and I have never quit under extraordinary circumstances. A man is not finished when he's defeated. He's only finished when he quits. Until you've been in the deepest valley, Mo, you cannot preach the majesty of the highest mountaintop. Is there any chance that you'll get a tattoo of Donald Trump? Well, I might go with Trump, Reagan, Goldwater and uh, Buckley and put them on my back in kind of a Mount Rushmore type thing. <laughs> but I could put Marcus Garvey, uh, you know, on the front. I'm also thinking of If you put Marcus Garvey on your chest, I want to see a picture of that, okay? Well, it's hard to find a, a good tattoo artist who could do a great likeness, but I'm thinking about it because he is one of my personal heroes. And somehow I believe you because you already have the Nixon tattoo on the back, so Marcus Garvey tattoo on the front would be peak Roger Stone. I think that's fair to say. Roger Stone, before I let you go one more time, tell people how people can support you and also donate to you. StoneDefenseFund.com StoneDefenseFund.com uh, where I've got to raise probably a million dollars for an appeal. It is uh, always an uphill battle against the federal government, but I refuse to quit. You are a man of your word. You came back on this show and you took my best punches metaphorically and you answered every one of my questions. And I wish you nothing but the best, Roger Stone. And who knows, we might even do this again sometime. Well, it's always been lively, Mo. It's always been lively. <laughs> this is the Mo Kelly Show.